0: Welcome to the Cool Girls Only podcast, where we talk about the excitement and uncertainty of navigating our 20s. I'm Jordan. And I'm Maddie. A cool girl is on a journey to becoming her best self, and we're here to share our thoughts and learnings every Friday with you. Welcome to Cool Girls Only. Hello. Hello, hello. How's it going? Hello. <laughs> Jordan. I can't even like the chaos that is my life right now. It's so insane. My life literally went from like pretty chill, figuring out how to spend my time. And now I have a dog and it's like, (laughs) it's a huge change. Like it's more than I expected, to be honest. I feel like, okay. So I feel like that is what I hear from all my friends who get dogs. Like they're like, I love it and I don't regret it. but they're like, it's way, way more than you think it is. Literally way more. And I'm just trying to have patience because I know like a puppy is literally like a baby. Like we need to train her and like watch her all the time. So I know it'll get better from here, but yes, it is, (laughs) it is harder than I expected and just more than I expected. But that's fine. I feel like if I knew this, I might not have gotten a dog, but really, but like, okay, no, I literally, one of my good friends has said the same exact thing to me. Like, she's like, if I could go back, I don't know if I would choose because she adopted her dog. She's like, I don't know if I would choose to adopt the dog at the point that I'm in in my life right now. Right. That's kind of, and apparently there is a phase when you get a dog of like, everyone kind of feels like, what did I get myself into? Like, like this is shit. not. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like a complete lifestyle shift. So we're just kind of trying to figure our shit out and like get a training plan in order and just get organized. Cause it feels like the past two weeks have been just pure chaos. And I'm like, so unorganized in my life. Just feel <laughs> oh, my God. Like I'm so curious. Like, I wish control. you had like a camera. I wish you like Could I want you? I know you have a phone, that was dumb to say, but like I almost want like a nanny cam or something. Yeah. Just to see how insane the dog is. It's so funny. And okay, we'll have a completely separate episode on this too because I want to give it a few months. Like it's definitely gonna change and it's gonna progress and she's gonna be so much better. So I'm sure I'll be feeling so much better in a few months. But I the lack of sleep is what I was not like fully prepared for and I'm fucking dying. I'm dying. So that's the tough one. The lack of sleep, like getting up in the middle of the night. Cause I'm just so used to having such good, like great long sleep. Oh my God. Stop. Literally. This is why I'm scared to have children or a dog or any sort of dependent is Mm -hmm. I just value my sleep above all else. And I need it to exist. And I hear everyone say like you adapt, like you can do it. Like people have kids and their kids Mm -hmm. wake up throughout the night and you literally have to work the next day and your kids were up all fucking night Mm -hmm. and people will say like your body will adapt to it. But yeah, I'm scared. That's probably my biggest fear. No, seriously. It's it's a valid fear. Truly. I I think this is kind of preparing me for that because it's like getting up like once in the middle of the night, but then like she kind of cries a little and we have to Calm her down, so she goes back to bed. So it's kind of like a process, but with a kid, I feel like you have to wake up so much and like mm-hmm. you gotta feed the kids. So it's your responsibility. I can't just be like Joe, go get the dog, <laughs> <laughs> go get the kid. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's been a, it's been an intense few weeks, but more to come. We'll do a dog episode in a yeah, few I'm months. So excited after for that episode, <laughs> yes. How's your week been? It's been really good. My, um, work life is getting kind of crazy right now. Like there's just a lot of change happening and it's busier than normal. So I'm just trying to adapt with it and not like, sometimes I want to lean into it and be like, I can work extra hours and I can do overtime and I can do this, 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 and I take on a lot. And then other times I'm like, shit, what did I just do? so yeah right now i'm kind of trying to find like some balance just because things are crazy but overall i am good i'm so excited i'm going to cinemod yes on thursday yeah oh my god be so in Brooklyn. Good. i'm so excited that'll be fun i love that they're doing that is that like an all summer thing yeah i think it's all summer they're doing different movies so you like buy a ticket, and it comes with complimentary drinks and snacks. And you see, like, I think we're gonna go see Dirty Dancing. So okay, that's so amazing! Good. Shout yeah. out, Mod. Shout so out, fun. Eva. <laughs> Shout out, Eva. That's so fun. That'll be a nice little Thursday activity. Yes, we love breaking up the week. Oh my god, so much! So this episode we're so excited about. It was honestly, I loved this conversation. Lily was great. Um, and felia is just so cool. And I am so excited to try it. Yeah. Are you going to try it right now? Yes. <laughs> so for those of you in Chicago, they sell Felia at Foxtrot, which is where I got it. And I wanted to make one of the like fancy drinks on their website, but I literally have nothing. So I mixed it with, I just have ice Philia and Lacroix. <laughs> All right. So let's let's, let's see let's how it hear. is. Okay. okay. First time trying it. Oh, it looks so cute in your glass. It's very oh aesthetic. God, it's so good. It's so good. I love. Okay. Good. I'm so glad that I got it. What if you were I like, like this enjoying sucks. this? I know. I know. Literally. But like, honestly, some of the non-alcoholic drinks aren't that good yeah so I'm like really yeah this is very crafted I literally loved our conversation with Lily she's so awesome she opens up so much in this episode I feel like like you just hear kind of her story to creating this awesome brand and it's so great like I I just am obsessed I think she was so much fun to talk to and so inspiring like she is like our age and she started oh this God, and, during COVID. Out. I know during COVID. Like wow. Definitely still in the game. Seriously. Yes. So go get Felia, check it out. I think even on their website, you can see where it's sold, like near you. Um, but yeah, check it out. Check out Lily. And I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Lily, we're so excited to have you. We've actually been talking about this topic for a while now. We had a episode a few weeks ago, actually about the relationship with alcohol in your twenties. And we had a lot to say, a lot of ranting. It was a really good episode though, but we're really excited to chat with you and like, We both kind of talked about our experiences with alcohol and like our relationship with alcohol. So would love, of course, for you to first kind of tell our listeners who you are and then maybe tell us like a little bit about your relationship with alcohol.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, both of you guys. I'm so honored to be here. Um, I... And the founder of Felia, So it's a non-alcoholic aperitivo, uh, similar to like a Campari or Aperol, but it has no added sugars, no um, ingredients that you wouldn't be able to recognize on the back of the bottle. Um, Everything's all natural. Um, No added sugars, no preservatives. The list goes on and on. It's just like this amazing product um, that kind of hit the market at the right time. So it's it's all part of this big push for um, non-alcoholic options, which is really great. Um, before that, I was working with other small brands. So I think I always really wanted to do my own thing eventually. Um, it's just kind of a matter of like, what am I passionate about? Um, what would I guess, I guess I like, care about, you know enough to kind of run the show myself. Um, and as it relates to my own relationship with alcohol, I would say that I'm a very conscious drinker and for those who don't know um, i grew up with an alcoholic parent so my dad growing up pretty much my entire life uh, was an alcoholic and passed away from alcoholism so i think that that really kind of led me to to not trust alcohol or to see it i guess through um, a different lens than maybe uh, my peers and especially i think that showed a lot more in college um, even in high school and now even you know after college um and just seeing the way that people view alcohol and and how my view definitely differs from that so yeah
0: yeah no I think like your 20s is such a weird time with alcohol like like you were saying college is mm-hmm. I mean I don't know for both Jordan and I we kind of talked about how like in college we didn't really think about it we just drank and that's kind of expected in every situation mm-hmm. and then you get into your 20s and it's also like social like you're mm-hmm. hanging out with certain people you're drinking all the time like it's just a weird thing and sometimes when you step back and think about it you're like do i really need to drink in this situation like yeah. i don't know it's it's a weird thing to navigate i would say in this at this time in our life
1: totally and i think that i mean i didn't even say this actually which is pretty important i guess in the whole like grand scheme of this is that i still drink i just drink only when i want to i drink not a lot um I prefer like wine and just for the taste. I don't really like to get a buzz on or like kind of go overboard. That's not really my thing. It gives me so much anxiety and it's just not for me. I've learned with time. Um, And I think that with college too, it's like, okay, we were drinking a good amount, mostly on the weekends, at least for me. But now I feel like with post-grad, it's like, okay, after work, we're getting drinks. So that's like a Monday through Friday even thing. And it's like, Wait 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 this is supposed to be my downtime to like recover and not feel anxious and horrible every day and now it's a social thing and then if you're not you know doing that you don't feel included and i feel like it can be this kind of vicious cycle of i want to be a good employee i want to fit in with my coworkers and friends socially even on the weekends but i don't want to drink this much or i don't want to drink at all so it's interesting to to think about
0: yeah 100% um, do you want to walk us through a little bit about creating your company?
1: Yeah. So I started Philia during COVID, kind of in the heart of COVID. It was July of 2020, and I basically had left a job that I was uh, working in L.A. and decided that this was something that I really wanted to kind of put all of my effort and time into. I had a lot of time. I had... um too much time on my hands just bored and COVID, and saw this uptick in so many um options on the market coming out for non-alcoholic spirits and it was really a cool time for me because i i was seeing like crazy patterns with people um as it relates to their drinking and just so many people were you know drinking more than they ever were because they were you know at home looking for something to do and they're bored. Um, And that was, you know, me included, like I said, like I enjoy like a glass of wine, but like even two glasses of wine is tipping the scale if I'm, you know, waking up the next morning and trying to be productive. So um, yeah, so I think I basically was, it was a perfect time for me to kind of get started on this and was able to pull it together pretty quickly. I think, um, you know, just a matter of, I think it was like maybe six months or seven months. We launched by um, April, 28th of 2021 and we meaning me as the only full-time person and uh my best friend who also works with me riley she actually came on uh, i would think it was around like february so given that it was kind of a quick process um and was able to hit the market pretty soon which is great and since then we've seen so much press um, we're in 150 stores slash restaurants, um, slash cafes. You know, we serve at all these different places because we are non-alcoholic. So it kind of opens a lot more doors, um, which is really amazing. Um, along with like online sales have been really great. Uh, we're working on a new product, like I mentioned, which has been so crazy <laughs> to think about that, um, it's only been just a little over a year. We just celebrated our one year mark. So the fact that we're able to do that is just awesome. Um, And yeah, it's been really great to connect with and like create this community of people that are really into the product and into the space and feel, you know, like it's a natural thing for them to reach out and be able to relate to me uh, by telling my story and by having these honest conversations around alcohol consumption, whether it's on my own personal Instagram or on the Philly Instagram. So that's been really great to just see kind of the people that we've attracted um, and getting to know them and getting to meet them and talk to them has been so special for me.
0: And so it's been great. It seems like wild to me that you created an actual product in that short of a time period. You know what I mean? Like you're like, this totally. wasn't like an influencer account. This wasn't like, I don't know, a random Etsy thing. Not that those aren't amazing like businesses, but this is different because you're literally creating a product to sell on shelves. So like, were you in your kitchen, like just like pouring things together? (laughs) Like how did that process work? I mean, I
1: definitely had an idea of the things that I liked and things that I didn't flavor wise. I mean, I would go, I mean, my mom and I were like always experimenting in the kitchen um, with different things. Like we would get like different, like cordials or like different, I don't know, like liqueurs of and like just kind of be like okay i like that but i don't like that um and she obviously knew that like this is something i wanted to do so we were like let's take it seriously let's order like every competitor let's try everything that we see at our like local grocery store we couldn't do too much in person because of covid so it was a lot of like ordering online um and I just knew that I was going to need to talk to a manufacturer to do this Mm because they really like ratio every, you know, ingredient out in the perfect way. And I just did not have the resources for that on my own. Um, so I was able to find someone who helped me formulate and then we kind of narrowed it down. I think we did like three rounds and within those three rounds, you do three rounds. So about like nine mini rounds all around. Um, and then got to this last variation and it was, Perfect. Um, we were like, let's go to bottling. Started with 3,000 units. And then our next run, because we sold through that, went through that so quickly, were 10,000 units. And we've already gone through now 7,000 units of those 10,000. So we have like 3,000 left, which is crazy. Wow. um And I think today we actually reached, or we were on, on, um, Shopify, which is really awesome because you can see the back end analytics of all of this, which is just like a blessing. And I think our sales were up from like this time last year, today, our sales were up like 600 and something
0: percent. Oh my awesome. God. That's incredible.
1: Like, totally wild and awesome. Um, so yeah, it's been a wild ride. Like I I can't tell you that I went into this knowing uh, what I was doing or that I had any idea. <laughs> how to do any of this. I didn't have a mentor. Like my mom doesn't know how to do this. I don't have a dad. So I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to try it out. Let's see how far I can make it. And I luckily had some experience from working with smaller brands, but not in the CPG or, Mm -hmm. um, food and beverage space. It was, this is like completely new to me. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. so yeah. And look at where you are. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. So cool. And like, yeah, you're right. It was the perfect time because there are like a lot of non-alcoholic drinks on the market now. And I think I love that it's becoming more of like the norm and like people are kind of gravitating towards that. I think I was reading a newsletter the other day saying that Gen Z is like more open to trying non-alcoholic beverages. So it just seems like things are shifting, which I love because I don't always want to drink, but like I, I like to have like a nice glass of something when I'm cooking dinner. Jordan and I talk about this all the time. Like I'll put kombucha in a wine glass and just like have a great evening. So it's nice to have like these pretty packaged like mm-hmm. luxury drinks, but they're not alcohol.
1: Right. And that's, what's kind of great about it too. You know, kind of like what you said, I wanted it to look sophisticated. I wanted it to taste sophisticated. I didn't want it to just be like, in some random bottle or carton or something, because it's not just a juice. Like these are like extracts and juices that have been carefully selected, um, by Mm -hmm. me, but like have been tasted by people. And it tastes like not just juice. It tastes like it has like an edge to it, but it doesn't taste like a non-alcoholic vodka or a non-alcoholic gin or a Mm non-alcoholic whiskey, because that for me would be i think really screwing with the mind of a non-drinker because they literally are actively trying every single day to not drink because they have a problem and or they have like you know and it's an addiction so um i think that that's something for me that was like okay first off we have to make sure that it's not that um and okay how can we make this color as fun and as vibrant as like a campari or aperol where like you know you're walking through a restaurant and you see them on the table and you just know that that's Aperol or you know that that's Campari because if it's color, I don't really want to drink a murky brown color, you know, yeah. at a restaurant. Like that doesn't sound, that doesn't feel cute. That doesn't feel sophisticated. Yeah. It doesn't that- feel like I'm leveling up to the people right next to me that are drinking alcohol.
0: I think it's so interesting that you didn't like you made sure that it did not like taste similar to a, you know, alcoholic drink because a lot of what we're seeing on the market today with non-alcoholic is like whatever Heineken zero, like it tastes like a Heineken, but it doesn't have alcohol in it. And obviously there's a market for that for people who enjoy drinking beer, but then there's also a lot of people who are suffering from addiction and would like to enjoy a fancy classy beverage, you know, without being triggered. So I think that's so cool. I love that you guys are doing this.
1: Yeah. And I think it's hard to hit because it's just easy to screw that up, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, what am I drinking? This is confusing. But I do think that a lot of brands do it pretty well, which is really impressive and inspiring, I think, for the space. Like there's potential to grow this. I mean, I think in in massive ways that we have never had before, never seen before. And so, you know, it's something I wish happened a long time ago because I think a lot of people, you know, really appreciate it and really want to buy this stuff. I mean, I was really worried. I think when I, we first went to market, like, okay, who's going to be my customer my, my mom and my friends, and then they're going to not want to buy it anymore. Cause they're going to be fully stocked and like who else. And I see so many just random people um, every day. There are random orders people I've never met in my life. I don't know them. They don't know me are ordering this product. And there are people that are subscribing and have, you know, bottles coming one or two or a six pack coming to their door every month or every other month. It's like now um a part of their routine. It's a part of their life. And that's really, really cool to see.
0: I can imagine. Yeah, that's awesome. I was like looking on your website and first of all, your website and I guess just the overall aesthetic is amazing. Love it. Um I wanted to know how do you like to drink philia I was looking, there's like a lot of, um, recipes you guys have on your website and they look incredible. I need to try.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, we, we definitely have a lot of, I think different range of, um, like beginner to, um, advanced on the cocktail making, you know, spectrum. Uh, I think a lot of the ones that we launched with were really intricate, like, you know, you know, make your own syrup by infusing mint into da. It's like, okay, well, if I'm <laughs> home at the end of a long work day, I'm not going to be infusing anything. I need like something instantly. Um, so I would say my favorite way to serve it is by putting, I think like two, three ounces of filia into, a nice glass with ice, um, topping it with soda water, and then putting either lemon, orange, or like even grapefruit—it's fun. Um,
0: yeah, just a little that's garnish. That's amazing. Little
1: mix, perfect, refreshing. Especially yeah. right now, it's so hot out. It's perfect.
0: Yeah, no, really. Oh my gosh. Also, where does the name come from?
1: So, actually translates to daughter in Italian.
0: Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. That's
1: so cute. Yeah, I love that very special name, very meaningful to me. And it was, I mean, it was really hard to name this because I wanted to honor, I think, you know, the Peritivo culture, it's Italian. And I think I spent a, about like four months in college in Italy. And I, it inspired me so much to just like see the way that people didn't, you know, drink and eat in like, crazy ways like we do here in the States where they're like, we're gorging or like we're binging. It's like they're actually enjoying and like looking at what they're eating before it goes into their mouth and they're talking and taking breaks. Like it's not like just shoveling. Um, And same goes for, you know, drinking. Uh, So I wanted to really honor that, but I also wanted it to be especially meaningful for why I'm doing this and why I care so much about it. So.
0: Yeah, I love it. So another thing we wanted to kind of go through is like, alcohol consumption in your 20s. So in your 20s there's definitely like a social pressure to drink. It's very social. Like you were saying like drinking after work, more so during the week even than on the weekends. So curious to know your thoughts on like how it's affected you or like people you know in in your 20s. Sometimes for me and like things we kind of discussed in our episode like I just feel like sometimes it can be too much but it's also kind of hard sometimes to not partake in drinking when you're like at a work happy hour or like hanging out with friends and everyone's drinking. Um, so just curious to know how it is for you. Yeah,
1: it's an interesting question. I mean, I think a lot of my friends my age are thinking about it right now, and it's something that they kind of struggle with because, at least, I mean, when I used to live in California, I lived in LA for like I said, like about three years. I it wasn't as much of a pressure, uh, at least on the weekends. Um, I think weekends were for going to the beach or catching up on things and hanging out with friends. But then moving back to New York, I kind of feel like drinking is the only activity that people do on the weekends. It's like, where are we meeting? What bar or where are we meeting to drink all day into the night and then go home and just kind of feel like shit. Um, And I think that for me is really hard because most of the time I just don't want to drink and I don't want to drink during the day. I'm exhausted and then I can't really enjoy my night. And then I don't really enjoy my Sunday because just a little alcohol goes a long way, at least for me. Like I could have a few glasses of wine and I feel horrible. Um, So and I'm really a one to two glass of wine type of gal. So it's it's just like, then what do I do for the rest of the day? Um, And I don't like to day drink. It's never feels good. Um. Agree. Oh, so, yeah, I think it's something that I mean, my boyfriend and I talk about this all the time. He's like, I don't really want to like drink all day, but I want to hang out with my friends. But I don't want to like just sit there doing nothing. It's it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of what's interesting. I feel like I'm like probably the youngest person in this space, if I had to guess, meaning founders in the non-alk space. Um, and it's interesting being at this stage in my life. And doing this because I feel like a lot of people are like, "Hey, well, I hit third my 30s. and I was like, "We're all done drinking, and we're all settling down." And da, da, da. I'm like, "No, I, everyone is still revved up in my my circle, um, and they're still doing the same stuff every weekend." And it can feel, I think, a little isolating, and I can just feel you feel the pressure. You definitely feel the pressure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, environment is like key as well. Like you were saying, like you live in East Village, like I'm sure you're just by a bunch of bars. That's kind of where I'm at right now in Chicago. Like I just recently moved. And like when I was living in downtown Brooklyn, like I didn't really feel pressured to drink all the time also because like there's not a ton around. Like I live right by Trader Joe's. So like that was like the selling point of the neighborhood for me. But in my neighborhood now it's like full of bars. Everyone is just day drinking every day. I'm like, This is a big shift. Like, I'm not used to this. And it just seems like everyone just wants to drink all day. And it's just not my vibe at all. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like,
1: you know, I think a lot of the discussion that I hear with the sober, curious movement, the non-alk space, it's like, it's either I feel like when I talk to my friends, it's like, okay, well, I'm not like sober, but I'm not a binge drinker. And it's like, can I be in the middle? Can I be just a conscious drinker? And, um, drink only when I want to. And that's, it's almost harder because then if you're, if you're sober and everyone knows you don't drink, then they're not going to pressure you because they just know that you're not drinking. But if you're a sometimes drinker, everyone's like, come on, come on, come on, just do it. Just be fun. It's like, well, I just don't want to. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of like the, the line between those two. It's, it's hard.
0: Yeah, it is hard. Like it would just be easier to say, no, I don't drink. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I always talk about my manager who, um, is sober now and we would go to happy hours and he'd go to every happy hour with us. He was always down for a good time. Like he was just like the most fun, genuine guy. And people would ask him for like, Oh, do you want to drink? He's like, no, I'm actually sober. I don't drink anymore. And then people would just drop the conversation. Like they were kind of uncomfortable with like him saying that. So they would just shut up. But yeah. then when us, when, when like someone like Maddie or I like we do drink sometimes socially. Sometimes we aren't in the mood to drink at all. And we feel like we shouldn't even go to dinner because everyone at dinner is going to be drinking and pressuring us. Totally. So it's like so many people, especially I think women in their twenties are curious about this and they don't always know what to say to be like down for a good time, not down to be completely hungover tomorrow when I have to work, you know, like, yeah. no, it's yeah. and
1: not to mention like financially,
0: if oh I go dinner,
1: I don't drink. Everyone else has had like a million cocktails. Like I've been fitted with some crazy bills where I'm like, I didn't even drink and I'm paying.
0: Oh yeah. We're not splitting this evenly. No, what?
1: absolutely <laughs> not. And so there's that, that's really frustrating. And then I feel like a lot of people do, um, they'll do like an open bar thing or they'll do like, they'll rent out a bar for someone's birthday or a space. And then you each have to pay this much money for open bar. I'm like, I'm not drinking. And I don't want, I don't want to pay that because I'm not drinking. I'm going to have water. <laughs> because yeah. This bar, this gross bar doesn't even offer anything <laughs> that I'd want to drink as if I don't want to drink. Um which is also disappointing. We need to get more options and, you know, even the like divey places. Um but yeah, so it's just it's it's a lot to to think about I think at this age. Um and, you know, how can you take control in not wanting to, to drink that day and like feel confident in that and to kind of shut people up because alcohol is at the end of the day, a drug. And if, you know, I said, I didn't want to do heroin today. I don't think anyone would be like, come on, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. So it's, it just like pisses me off. Um, and I wish we could really like move towards, you know, kind of taking that pressure away because I think a lot of more people would feel comfortable in saying no.
0: Totally. And like, the, I guess, in our last episode, when Jordan and I were kind of talking about it, we like our recommendation to people, if they don't want to drink and they like, aren't sober is literally just own it. And if someone has a problem with it, that's not your problem. You know, like that's just awkward if someone's trying to pressure you and you don't want to, because yes, it is a drug. Like that, that's a good way to think about it because it's just, I don't know it's definitely an awkward situation. And we, I mean, yeah, Jordan and I, when we were talking about it too, we were like, you can kind of like in a situation like that, sometimes you do like ask, Oh, why aren't you drinking? And like, I don't know, some people maybe are coming at it like because they don't want to be the drunkest person there, but then other people <laughs> might just be like small talk. So it's definitely like, I don't know, people just ask it's you become about like it. It's like a habit. Like that's yeah. like, so disturbing though, is that like, as a society, we've just normalized being like all right, Maddie, are you getting another shots. drink? Like, Let's do shots. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's no, crazy how part. much we've normalized, like asking that question.
1: I agree. I think it's also interesting how people don't feel comfortable drinking alone. So like, that's sometimes where like the pressure comes from. So you'll be sitting down mm-hmm. at a table with someone and they're like, oh, what are you going to get? And you're like, oh, I'm going to get a mocktail. And they're like, oh yeah, are am drinking. Okay? And then yeah. they're like, then I shouldn't drink. And then it's like, well, it shouldn't be, you know. You shouldn't feel shameful just because I don't want to match you on that. So it's a whole, it's a whole thing.
0: I was like at this work event. I think I told you about this, Maddie. I was at this um, thing with a coworker. We were doing happy hour and she like showed up at the bar and she's like, Hey, I just want to be honest with you. Like I'm taking a break from alcohol right now, like 30 days, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh dude, like good for you. That's awesome. And like, she was so uncomfortable telling me it was like, she was Yeah, uncomfortable admitting that she was taking time off and I even said I'm like oh you know like I do dry January every year like it's great good for you like taking a break and then she was like but I'll have a drink if you want me to I'm like what the fuck like no (laughs) it's up to me it's up to you yeah yeah uh yeah that's I mean I I can understand why she feels uncomfortable because it's weird like people It seems like sometimes people look at you weird if you're not drinking or like Mm -hmm. just want you to. Because I always feel like if I'm not drinking, like I need an Mm -hmm. excuse. Like I need to like have something prepared. Like this is why. And like, that's so weird. Like, no, I don't want to. to Stand (laughs) your ground.
1: It's like you really have to just continue to say no and people will resist and you got to just
0: stand your ground. Yeah. Oh my God. The struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Another question we want to ask you is... Why is it so important, I guess, to you, your brand, to people in their twenties in general, to have open com- conversations about alcohol consumption?
1: I think, well, for me, I think it's important because I think that it's just something that people don't want to talk about. I think it's really hard for people to be honest about that stuff, and 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 to talk about it in a way where you know alcohol isn't just this glamorous thing. It really can be detrimental to not only like the person who is, you know, experiencing addiction with as it relates to alcohol, but also their families. And I think that um, especially for me growing up, it was something that I was really not embarrassed of. I think I was I felt like I had to keep it a secret. Um, And I think that that was something that really just kind of stuck with me. And I almost felt really alone in that because I didn't want anyone to think, uh, differently of my dad. I didn't want anyone to think differently of my family and my life. And, um, the like stability of that, you know, and, and the structure of that. I think the second that somebody finds out that someone is an alcoholic, it's like, okay, well, we can't trust them. Should they be driving you to school? Should they be, you know, coming to school to pick you up? Is it safe for other kids that are coming over to your house? Like, it's just like, it just destroys all of the scaffolding, right? It, It just destroys all the like structure of your life. It just all comes crumbling down once somebody finds out. So it just feels like this big secret. And I always Think now, like, you know, in hindsight, I wish I had a voice or some type of platform. You know, there wasn't Instagram at the time, and I obviously wasn't like on the web, on like Reddit or anything. Like, I wish I knew that I wasn't the only person going through this. Um, I wish that I had just heard someone who I could relate to be like, yeah, this happens, this is normal, even though it's really upsetting and sad. This happens in so many households. And a lot of people just don't want to talk about it. So I think for me, it's, I find the courage to talk about it, honestly, um, because I just know how much I was deprived of that as a kid and how how much that would have really helped me and like saved me. in so many times when I, you know, I was a kid of divorce and my, you know, when my mom wasn't around, I was alone with my dad and that was hard for me to keep all those secrets and feelings bottled up of just protecting him and not wanting, you know, if he relapsed, not ratting him out or stuff like that. Um, But it's just totally toxic and unhealthy for that person. So I feel like if we, you know, normalize talking about it, it will just relieve a lot of people. And also alcoholics aren't horrible people. Um, They're not, you know, I think a lot of movies and shows that I've seen that depict alcoholics, totally not what my situation was either. So even, you know, if we're talking about it more, maybe there will be in the media, there will be more, you know, things that will come of that, that will show other sides of it and other stories. I think for me, you know, my dad was never violent. It was never anything, um, that like startled me in that way. It was more so like, I'm worried about you and it's really emotional. It's just a lot of just sadness. And at least for me, and I grew up really, you know, in a really great neighborhood. I grew up in Manhattan. I went to private school. I wasn't like living on the side of the street with you know, with my dad. I was like, it was just really, um, it was really different than any other stories I had heard or things that I had seen. Um, and I feel really lucky that now I've been able to have the platform to do that and can have these conversations with people. But I didn't think that was possible for me for a really long time.
0: Yeah, no, I think normalizing it is key. And I think that's something that really sets you and your brand apart too. Like you were saying for other founders are kind of in their thirties and just wanted to create something for themselves. Whereas this, like I was looking at the, the philia Instagram and like you guys do like talk about things and like discuss, you know, impacts of alcohol and different posts and things like that. So I think that's great to just get like, talk about it rather than just having like a pretty Instagram and like, this is just a non-alcoholic beverage. No, there's like more behind it.
1: Yeah. And I think something that we like to do too is like provide resources for people to not only, you know, we, we love the cute stuff on our Instagram of course and, and things that relate to the brand in like a fun marketing way, but we also have partnered with people like monument or partnership to end Add addiction where we're providing like stats, we're providing reminders and, quotes and things like that, that people will see and be like, okay, I want to save that. That will resonate with me or I'll revisit this. Um, or I'm worried about a friend, family member, loved one. I'm going to reach out to this, to a partnership and or monument because I want to seek help. Um, so I think it's, it's been nice to kind of weave that into the narrative of, you know, just my story and actually not just like talking to people and telling my story. Cause Okay, people have heard it. That's great. But like, how can I help you? Um, and how can in small ways, I don't want it to just totally take over our, our presence on um social media, but how can we, you know, provide um in ways that are effective and like productive?
0: That's awesome. Totally. Um, I know you mentioned kind of the value of community for the brand. How do you think that's kind of changed the business? Or in general, just like your life and your journey that you're on?
1: I think that the communities change changed our brand because, I mean, it's really crazy to see what Instagram can do at least because it's free. Um, just, I think having people share this with their friends and I feel like because alcohol is such a social thing when people kind of venture into the non-alc space and they are really into bringing it to dinner parties or bringing it to a picnic or bring, or, you know, gifting it as a housewarming gift I feel like it's been such a nice way to kind of pass on this product um in ways that always come back to us I feel like a lot of people love to post it on their table and stuff um so I guess that community I just like our online community has been pretty powerful and just seeing how it kind of spread like wildfire on just like so many people knowing about it and I think kind of like what I just said is you know with me telling this story and being really, really honest in ways that I didn't even think I could be. I didn't think I could even like access half of the memories or um, things that I had been through because it had been a while. And I think I was in a place where I wanted to graduate from college and get a job and just be normal and not let that kind of tie me down. Um, Taking this time while starting this brand to really re-access those things and sharing it with people has been the most rewarding part of all of this. And just seeing so many people that comment or will like message me separately on the side and to be like, I am going through the same thing. You know, I had no idea that you were going through that at the time or just random people that don't know me or like, thank you for sharing. This is like, is so um, meaningful. And that could be, you know, me writing something or sharing. I shared like a voicemail that my dad left me kind of, it was like a month before my dad died.
0: And it I literally showed, was. I've watched that, it was so beautiful. Oh my gosh, it, 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 literally crying during I the work never, day. Yeah, I had never even
1: listened to that
0: um, until now, fully
1: through. I think I was like angry with him at the time. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? It's, I think every year um, when I come up on the date that my dad passed, which is the day after my birthday, I always try to like take a minute to like kind of feel it because I've done a really good job at kind of pushing it away. Um, And I listened to that and I was like, oh my God, it just shows like he thought he was going to make it out. You know, like he thought everything was going to be better. And he was kind of promising me this relationship that we were going to have and that we were going to bring back together. And it just shows like you just don't know what someone's going through. You don't understand. No one can understand the full the full, I guess, story of what this looked like for me. And it's so different for everyone. Like I say this all the time, like it's not one shape or size, it's um, alcoholism and alcoholics, like each case is so different um, and can look like completely different from someone else's, but it just shows that um, it's just a really sad, sad um, lifelong battle, at least for me. And So I think sharing that with people, even though that was really hard for me was like so powerful and I felt relief that I wasn't alone, felt really great.
0: Yeah. And you're providing so many people that same like opportunity to listen to someone else who's gone through the same struggles and internalize and speak out about what they're going through too. Literally. Yeah. I was just going to say vulnerability. Like, I think it just connects people and I think, it really probably draws people to you and your brand. Yeah. I think
1: there's so much on the internet, especially on Instagram that is so like curated and perfect. And everyone's like, I have this amazing life and I have all these designer things and I haven't even paid for them. And like, I just have the life and I'm like, we need a little bit more realness. Like I, I love seeing when people are like breastfeeding or like doing things that's like, Oh no, this can't be talked about. It this can't be seen. Like we can't, you know, it's like, let's just be real. Um, we're all human here. And, we all experience hardship in, in so many different ways. And so it's, it's been cool to kind of be able to do that and to not feel so scared anymore. It's, it's been kind of like an unlocking of things for me. It's been great.
0: Yeah. No, Jordan and I uh feel you on the realness of Instagram because we rant about it all the time. So when you come across an account that like is real it's just awesome (laughs) refreshing (laughs) very all right george shall we dive into our last question last and always a question we ask to every visitor and guest we have on this podcast so what advice would you have for women in their 20s as it relates to like Anything anything. <laughs> anything you want, if you could maybe tell your 20 something self, any advice, okay. what would it be?
1: I feel like I t- tell this to all my friends or like try to remind them because I always say like, I feel like I've lived like 12 lives by this time and I'm 26. I think just enjoy yourself and be yourself. And that's just sounds so corny, but like if you actually tell people how you feel, um, you can really beat around the bush on a lot of things. And that could be romantically, friendships, whatever, business. And um, yeah, like life is so short. Like you just, you only have today and, um, and right now. So if you want to do something, do it. I know that with me, you know, I happen to figure out a lot um, in starting this company about myself and just, you don't have to do it in a perfect way. You don't have to do it like everybody else does it. if you can figure it out and you trust yourself, just go for it is my
0: advice. Love it. Just go for it. Trust yourself. Yeah. That's a good one. Amazing. Well, Lily, it's been so great having you on. Can you tell our listeners like where they can find you like your website, Instagram handles, things like that?
1: So you can find me if you ever want to talk, um, alcohol consumption or anything else. Um, (laughs) My Instagram, I think, is lily.geiger. Um, and the philia Instagram is at drinkphilia And you can find us online at drinkphilia.com. You can order us to your doorstep or you can literally look to see how many stores sell us near you, which is, at this point, a pretty good amount. So,
0: yeah. Amazing. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> and that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you want to stay up to date on everything for the Cool Girls Only podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at Podcast, and you can sign up for our monthly newsletter at coolgirlnews.com. All of our information is linked in the show notes. We would also love to hear any topics you're interested in or any guests that you think would be a good fit for the show. Feel free to send us a DM on Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time, cool girls.